Hey, this is Craig Cannon, and you're listening to Y Combinator's podcast. Today's episode is a Q&A with YC Partners, and it was recorded at our fourth annual Female Founders Conference, which took place here in San Francisco this June. Okay, here we go. So I'm really excited to introduce you to all the, uh, not all, but oh, many of the incredible um, <laughs> women that I get to work with every day. Um, these are the partners of Y Combinator. Um, and so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I would love for, um, we're going to be answering um, some of the questions that you sent us, and so I'd love for each of you to introduce yourselves, and then we'll just jump in. Kirsty. Okay, shall I stop? Okay, hi again, everyone. Uh, I'm Kirsty Nathu. I'm the CFO here at Y Combinator, and I've been involved with YC now since 2010, so seen it go through a lot of changes. <laughs> uh, I'm Carolyn Levy. I'm partner and general counsel at Y Combinator, and I've been uh, here for about five years. Hi, everyone. I'm Anu Hariharan. I'm a partner at Y Combinator's Continuity Fund. I joined YC last year. Uh, the Continuity Fund is fairly new. We uh, invest primarily in growth stage companies and help uh, with company building at scale. Hi, my name is Adora Chung. I have, I'm a partner at YC, one of the group partners, meaning I work directly with the startups. Um, I've been here for about a year now, a little over a year. And I went through YC myself in 2010, I guess when Kirsty started. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm Jessica Livingston. I'm a co-founder of YC. Uh, and I'm Tat, and I've been at YC for about four years now. Um, and started out as the first director of outreach, so meant working with a lot of potential applicants like you guys. All right, let's just dive into the questions. Um, so how much industry experience do you typically recommend founders have? <laughs> Zero. Zero. Yeah. No. <laughs> well, no, actually, I think for, um, for biotech, yeah. it's pretty important that the uh, founder have industry experience, but not, not true for other. Well, also, it's how do you interpret that question? Because in my talk earlier, I said that ideas grow organically out of founders' lives, and usually they're working in some given industry, and they're an expert in it, and they say, gosh, this aspect is totally broken. I know how to fix it. And so we love funding people with domain expertise, I guess. Yeah, yeah. usually these people are, have been in the industry for just, just a little bit, not too, not too long, so that they are so entrenched in it that they don't know how to fix it or know how to build um, to fix it. Uh, but yeah. Which I mean, is long enough to kind of experience the problem and yeah, say, exactly. like, this is insane, I have to fix it. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think at, at YC I've seen folks that have had zero industry experience in something that they're launching and then some pe folks that have had years, many years. So I guess it really just depends. Um, but there's no, I guess there's no simple answer <laughs> to that question. no simple answer. I don't think Drew Houston had a whole lot of experience in storage when he got frustrated because he'd left his talk, you know, back and he was on the, the bus to New York. You know. um, so uh, here's a stats question. What percentage of applications have a female co-founder? Or how many, what percentage of, uh, you know, I guess the overall population are women? So I'll take this one. So I, I say. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, uh, obsessive, I obsess over the stats. Um, so I, right now we're seeing about 13% of the founders that apply to YC are women. Um, and so I just want to let that sink in because I want that to be closer to 50% of the population of people applying. Um, thank you. <laughs> um, 
And then, so about 22, 23% of the companies have a female founder. Um, and there are very, very few companies that apply that are, you know, female-only teams. And so I would love to see more of that as well. Um, what is a myth about starting startups or about YC that you wish you could dispel? I cannot answer that question. I'm going to have to write so an many. essay on that one. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll probably t- start with that and you, you, you all can fill in. I think, um, especially because I joined YC only a year ago and I remember after um, going through all the interview process and I'm super excited about having gotten the offer when I was talking to other people and what are some of the myths that I think now that I've spent a year I can say. So one is... I think it's a myth that we don't invest in non-technical founders. We do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the other myth um, is that we don't invest in solo founders. I think we encourage having co-founders for various reasons, uh, but there is no strict rule that says it's an absolute no. And the third thing, which actually really surprised me, because I had never thought that in my head, is that YC has no women. <laughs> so, and I, when I went through the interview process, I actually met... Or, or doesn't have a women founder. Founder, yes. <laughs> so I think that uh, that's, uh, you know, that I never had that doubt, especially because I had met all of them through the interview experience. And now that I worked at YC for almost a year, I can certainly say with conviction that, you know, women play a central role in every decision in YC. I, I, thank you. <laughs> I get frustrated because I feel like women often get written out of a lot of stories, right? Um, I mean, this is, this is a thing that we've seen time and time again. And, and um, I was just telling someone this morning about this. Um, back when I started at YC, uh, all these reporters would write about YC and they would refer to Jessica as like Paul Graham's wife, right? <laughs> and only described and as Paul Graham's wife. In YC, you know that Jessica's a founder of YC, right? And it's, it's such bullshit. And it was like that she, and she like is ha- like half of the operating part of YC. And so it would just frustrate us internally. And then yesterday's story came out that referenced Jessica as co-founder. There was no mention of wife or anything. And I was like, progress. <laughs> <laughs> like I was just so thrilled that you were given like your due. There was some article that came out that said Paul Graham, Jessica Livingston's husband. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Can I say something on the whole myth thing? Because there are are too many for me to even address, and some I get very emotional about. But when I hear things like people come up and say, oh, but you don't uh, fund solo founders, like it breaks my heart. What I'd love for just people who, who would like to give us a chance is to say, okay, I've read a lot of these articles. I think this is the case. Let me make sure. Let me just ask if that's true with someone who went through YC and see what their experience was like. So that, that's my only request. If you do come across a myth that you think is true, remember there's always several sides to a story and not to believe everything you read on Twitter or in the press. You know, actually, I just want to say one thing. Um, even after we fund solo female founders, they still don't believe it. I was having a dinner <laughs> with one of our uh, female founders from uh, last winter, and she said to me, why did you guys fund me? And I'm like, what a weird question. What do you mean, why did we fund you? She's like, well, I'm female. I don't have a co-founder. I was like, seriously? It was like four weeks into the program, and she was still doubting. It was depressing a little bit, but 
Um, there's a question that this actually nicely dovetails into is that, you know, YC has funded non-technical founders and sometimes even non-technical solo founders. What was it about those founders when they applied and interviewed at YC that impressed you um, and, you know, I guess convinced everyone? Um, for me, it's they have a clear vision of what they want to build and they have a clear roadmap of how to get there step by step. And they understand that today I, I need to, I, maybe I lack a technical co-founder, uh, but I know how to hack my way into those next steps. Um, another good indication is uh, if you've been a product manager or head of P, like a PM somewhere and you've worked with a lot of engineers and you've directed and orchestrated um, product building before, I think that's a really good historical reference to that you can build product without needing a technical co-founder. I think it depends on the kind of product as well. Not, not all products that get built need to have super technical founders. And as long as you, you have, like you say, the language to be able to understand what takes a long time, what doesn't, to be able to talk to engineers, to be able to, to set out the product, then, then that's, that's what's needed. And you don't, not all founders have to be deeply, deeply technical. And I, lastly, I'll just wrap this up. There is no one type of founder we fund. That We never say never about anything. There are just so many different things we do. So I wouldn't want anyone to think YC never funds blank, because that's not true. <laughs> hey, uh, does YC fund and work with later stage companies? Um, I will... Do you want me to kick that over to you? Yeah, sure. Um, so, yes. Yes, we do. So, the YC Continuity Fund that was launched two years ago, uh, our primary goal is to really help support uh, the companies in the growth stage. So, we do invest uh, in companies in the later stage. Uh, what we're really, at that stage, what we're really looking for is, has the company sort of figured out its product market fit? And, um, you know, they're really raising money for scale. And many of the activities that we help uh, in that stage is really with company building, right? Because the early stage program does a fantastic job of really uh, helping you figure out how to get to product market fit. And, you know, really, you're just starting in the initial phase of the company, which is, you know, one to 10 employees or 20. But when you get to 30 people and you're scaling now to 100 or 200 or even 500 people, the problems are different. Your job as a CEO changes. So we help uh, along with a lot of elements in that phase. I think it's also it, coming back to the idea of myths that people make up their own myths about Y Combinator that bear no resemblance to anything. And so they convince themselves that I'm too early for Y Combinator or I'm too late for Y Combinator. And again, there's, there's, no, there's no too early and there's no too late. We fund companies at all, all stages. And so people put them, people make the, our decisions for us by not applying. Let, let us make that decision. <laughs> Okay, next question is, what advice do you have for a mom who wants to start a company? Do you want uh, some of the moms to prepared to, to have that? another baby because that's what startups are like. <laughs> that's, my, that's what I always think when I'm talking to founders. I think, God, this is also, sounds like having a, another kid because <laughs> they take that much work. So that's, I, that's the way I, I would think about it. Like It's like having more kids. I actually asked Diane Green this at our first female founders conference when she came to Spoke. I took, was behind backstage with her and I said, how did you do this? Because I, at this point, had two, my two children. One was just a baby and I was struggling a little bit. It's a lot, a lot of work to juggle everything. And I said, how did you run VMware and you know have kids while you were doing all that? And she gave me some good advice, um, which was she really made an effort to outsource a lot of things that didn't have to do with specifically her children. So 
she had a gardener. She had someone who came in to clean her house and did all these things because she didn't, couldn't do everything. So outsource the stuff that can be done by someone else. You know, I used Instacart all the time, religiously. <laughs> um, my God, anything that could be delivered, I had delivered. Save me a drive to the grocery store, drive wherever. And so I always, I always appreciated that advice because it seems reasonable, but I hadn't really implemented it. Yeah, I would say, you know, if you're really passionate about something, do it. It doesn't matter. The timing is never right. There is no perfect time to start something. Um, you know, three years ago, I met uh, Nicole Shariath Farb. Uh, she started a company, and I actually met her because she was pitching her startup to us at the time. And I had just delivered a baby at that time, and I thought my life was crazy. And so I kept, I finished the pitch meeting, and I told her, Nicole, my kid is really sick. Is it okay if I get back to you in two days? And she understood. And she never mentioned anything. I later got to know that she had just delivered twins two days after my kid. And I was like, wow, what was I thinking? (laughs) So I just think that, you know, there are a lot of uh, women who I have seen quite a few. I mean, it's not in mass numbers, but who at least in recent years have seen it doesn't, there's no right time and you cannot wait for the perfect time. So if you are really committed and you know that is the thing you want to work, go do it. There's actually a really good example backstage, the, to, uh, the proven founders. So we just accepted them as batch. And um, when they interviewed us, I had no clue, but they were both pregnant. Um, and so they're hobbling backstage, hustling and like talking to people and trying to um, get users for their product. But they're like pregnant, <laughs> but they're doing it. So um, if you're passionate about it, you can. How far apart are their due dates? I think one month. <laughs> Like, <laughs> that will probably be hectic. <laughs> One they said they're going to share babysitters. They're going to share everything. So we'll see. Um, so next question is, if you're working on a side project, um, at what point would you feel comfortable going full-time on it? When should you bail out of your job or think about taking time off school? I think, uh, I think there's two pieces to that. One is you feel like it's... Um, you're ready to go all in, obviously, and it's like getting some traction. That's a good sign. Two is, I mean, financial concern. So if you if you if you have low personal burn, I mean, this is why really young people start startups probably more than maybe older folks. But um, if you're in a financially good place to take off for a year, that's probably a good place to start. And I'd say try to focus full-time as soon as you can, if it's okay with you financially. Um, try to do it sooner than later. We always say, like, you got to burn the boat before you can really um, make the kind of progress you can. But then again, I'm, I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth because a lot of times I say, oh, don't quit your job. If you're thinking of starting a startup, work on something on the side and see how it goes. But the point is, once it starts getting a little traction, the sooner you can focus full-time, the better, obviously, it is for that company. And I really liked um, what Morgan had said. She was, while she was working at Intuit, she'd started, you know, the, the first version of Blavity, and then re- there was, like, that moment where, you know, she'd started to build, you know, an audience, but also was so passionate, it just, like, pulled her out. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was pretty cool. It's also one of the reasons why YC exists, because you can, if you're ready, come apply, get in, you can quit your job. It's a forcing function. <laughs> <laughs> um, so here's a question about investors. So, um, this person says, I'm told much of the small talk that investors do um, is really a disguised way of identifying distractions. So specifically when investors ask about your kids or your social life, um, are, is that just a way that you know, they're trying to identify red flags? Um, so, and what's the best way to 
handle those questions or handle this like casual seeming chit chat? You have a good answer for this. Okay, um, I can I can take it. I mean, it's not just. I think the question is actually broader than investor. Um, I actually started my career as an engineer and went to the East Coast and then came back to Silicon Valley. So I've gotten this question many times, meaning when I was married, they wanted to know if I was on mommy track. Um, I had a baby 10 years later. And, um, you know, when I was pregnant, it was like, am I going to quit? Um, and now that I have a child, sometimes, you know, there are, there are questions around how much time I can give. But to be, like, honest, like, if you pick the right uh, work setting, you don't run into that. Right. So, but how do you handle these questions? One, if these questions are with an intention of they're trying to find distractions, it's a red flag. Like you may not want to work with that person because they truly don't understand where you come from and how committed you are to doing what you're doing. Um, so in those cases, like if, you know, someone asked me about staffing on a project and whether I was going to be pregnant, I would just, and if I felt that it was an uncomfortable question because they're trying to figure it out, I just asked, you know, openly, like, why is it a concern? And, you know, and often when you put people on the spot, they sometimes give it to you as is. And, you know, one of these managers had told me, well, I'm a little concerned because this project is really intense, so I just want to be sure. And I, I just responded. I knew the situation, so I just said, look, I won't be signing up for this if I didn't know I could do it. And that was enough to... You know, shut the, you know, shut the problem aside and move on. So I think it depends on the situation. Some of them I do think maybe they're just asking just to get to know you. And that's sort of their way to break the ice. You have to tease apart what, what, why the question came. But if you sense that they're doing this because they want to figure out if there's your distraction, just ask them openly. And that has always worked for me. And, you know, more often after a few years, there was a joke within our firm. Nobody would ever ask me that question. <laughs> so that's another way you know, to do that. There's a, there's a flip side to this, which is that I think we have heard um, from some founders that, married co-founders, that they didn't disclose to investors that they were married, and then it kind of went on for too long, and then they didn't actually know when to disclose it without it being super awkward. So that's something to navigate as well. I don't know what the exact right answer is there, but that can come up. So it's probably best to sort of be upfront about some of this stuff. Kind of depends, but you don't want to hide the ball on this stuff because it can get awkward later. Yeah, I was. I mean, I think what uh, Laura was saying in her talk about transparency and being really transparent with investors is important because that's, you know, she was saying that she hopes, like, that, you know, she expects the same from them. Like, they'll be honest with her. And so uh, I think probably it's best to bring up sooner than later. And if they don't, you know, invest in married couples, then, like, forget them, if you, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, but we, I, most of the investors I've talked to are not uh, concerned by that. They just want to know, um, right? I guess. So um, So we only have a couple minutes left. So um, one question is, who are your mentors? And uh, what, is, is there anything, I guess, really quick that they've taught you that's stuck with you? I'll go first. I, I, um, I think that I, ha I don't have a specific mentor um, that I can point to. And I, that, it kind of makes me laugh, this question, because when I was at um, the law firm where I worked before Y Combinator, I was in a women's group, and we endlessly debated the whole topic of mentorship because there's this whole debate like should it be organic or should you connect people and we just all we did was talk about it um <laughs> but I didn't actually have a specific mentor but I realized like I learned a lot of stuff from every single one of my colleagues I continue to learn from my colleagues at YC and one of my biggest takeaways that I've learned from my colleagues is customer service and that applies in the legal world as well as everywhere else always give good customer service 
always put your client, customer, whatever it is, first. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind yeah. of hard, I guess, in doing what we're doing, which is such an unusual thing, that a lot of, you know, you, you kind of pick pieces of information up from lots of different people, and it's all pieces of a jigsaw that you piece together. But definitely the people that we work with. Is I'm the same way. Thing. I pick up different things from different people, and I just have this patchwork quilt of like fabulous lessons that I've learned from people and I'm when when the dinners are going on at YC and there's a, a founder telling their story I am listening just as intently as all the mm -hmm. founders in the group I mean I learned so much from the people that come through the doors of YC and my colleagues um, when I was starting my startup uh, there were when I first came to Silicon Valley there were some people that were influential um, and helped me along the way um, so my former boss at First startup, Max Levchen, he helped me a lot. Um, and he, he, in fact, funded part of my startup. Um, then Paul Graham, of course. Uh, um, but I would say, in terms of running my startup and um, like someone to talk to on a weekly or even monthly basis, I didn't have that person, and I wish I did. And I wish I had um, seeked that person out, I guess. Um, and I think it's helpful to have someone who's not your investor, um, who you're not related to, who's not your friend per se, like a personal friend who you can talk to about these things and bounce ideas off of. Is, do you have any tips for uh, folks looking for those people? Finding those people? Um, so I didn't find one, so I guess... <laughs> this is not debate. debate. This is how do you find the person? Yeah. <laughs> it's tough because you do want it to be organic, right, yeah. to some extent. Um, but I think for me, the, the, some of the most important like, recurring people in my life have been um, advocates. So like, not just mentors, but people have always advocated for me. I think um, I used to work with Alexis Ohanian, the founder of Reddit. He's always been uh, like a cheerleader, like a supporter. Um, you know, I, uh, but I think I would say the same thing. I um, pick up a lot from everyone I work with, especially you guys. And then also the, the founders that come in, I'm constantly learning. And then I also, uh, as their companies grow, I also learn um, as, as, you know, they kind of share their experience with me. So um, I, I guess we are out of time. And so I hope you've learned as much as we have learned today, um, listening to the founders yeah. here. And thank you for coming, ladies. All right. Thanks for listening. So if you want to read the transcript or watch the video, you can check out blog.ycombinator.com. And as always, please remember to rate the show and subscribe. Okay. See you next time.